Spartans! What is your profession? Welcome to Wolverine Nation. I say what I mean, I mean what I say, and I say what needs to be said. Global leader in military combatives. 45 martial arts world titles. Renowned actor, writer, and a malicious warrior with brutally honest opinions. This may step on some people's toes. If it does, then you're a special kind of stupid. (laughs) (laughs) This is America's Sheepdog. Kicking it with the Wolverine. Yes, I am. And aloha, Wolverine. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Doing great. Well, you Looking- know. Looking gotta, forward to the show. show yes, sir, we do. Well, you have the talking stick, so do your thing, sir. Well, thank you so much. You know, I want to say thank you to the Wolverine Nation and the incredible Dean Powell for allowing the legend to be on the show on his network every week. And tonight we have a very, very special group of gentlemen, and uh, I'm excited about introducing these gentlemen. Now, if you're not talking, please, and you're on the show, if you would be so, like, mute your phone so the background noise is not picked up. Thank you. Now, I call this the DKF guys. <laughs> First of all, I got the co-founder. There are three men that created the BKF, and he is one of them. The visionary, the great fighter, Mr. Jerry Smith, who is also the president, along with the CEO of the BKF, Mr. Casey Jones, and a longtime fighter and BKF enthusiast, Mr. Sam Pace, and another gentleman that they brought on, I believe his name is, was it Gary Sam? What was his last name? Gary what? Yeah, yeah, Gary Goodman, uh, the rabbit. Gary Goodman, the rabbit. That's right, the rabbit. So we're going to be bringing <laughs> these guys on right now, and I'm going to start with the president, co-founder, my hero, the great fighter, Mr. Jerry Smith. Are you there, Mr. Smith? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. May I call you Jerry? Yes, you may. Thank you. Now, Jerry, you, you're, you've you got two of your long-time or three-time long-time associates on the uh, phone. And I want you to talk about them, each one. Let's start with uh, Casey. Tell me about Casey Jones. Casey Jones is amazing. And and uh <clears throat> let me start by saying that uh he's done so much. 
uh, all of them uh, have. But Casey Jones has done so much. To, he's kind of the glue that has held the BKF together over the over the years. He's incredible. He's a great fighter. He knows everybody in the Southern California martial arts community. Uh, he's a graduate from USC and uh, and a retired uh, 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 highway patrolman. And just a great, just a great. I started teaching KC when he was, I think, about 16 years old. And he literally uh, ran my West LA Karate Institute. And he's just, I, you know, I, I love him. Like, a, like a, I love all these guys. Like, a, like, a son. but KC is just an amazing human being. Well, you know, Uncle Jerry, uh, I, I, ladies and gentlemen, I call him Uncle Jerry because in Hawaii, if you call somebody uncle, they're a family. Ohana. It's almost, but I had to explain that. So, Uncle Jerry. Casey Jones and I worked together with the great Bob Wall at World Black Belt, and I did a lot of the bios and stuff for the legends and stuff. But Casey was an amazing man, and I agree. Now, the next man, now, Sam Pace, he's closer home to me because he's a, I know his history as a fighter, but I would you talk about Sam a little bit. Let's talk about Sam well, Pace. For me. <laughs> Sam Pace is so special to me. Because Sam Pace is a not only not only was a great uh, fighter, you know, back in the day, he's also a very very accomplished uh, fine artist, and his his work and his painting hangs in some of the best collections in this country. And uh, if you ever get a hold of one of his paintings, you better hang on to it. He's just wonderful, you know. Sam, well, you Sam know, actually. You know what we did for you this year? Mm-hmm. Sam and I are going to present to you a handmade portrait that he drew of you. <laughs> wow. At, wow. At I'm, your event. At your event. And, I, am, yeah, we, I am very humble. Well, I finally, it was an I idea I came up with. Was an idea I'll finally have with, a Sam-Page uh, painting. Okay, it was an idea I came up with, you know, last year, and Sam and I've been banging our heads about it, and uh, it's going to happen now. The other person that's on the air that you guys surprised me with, but I remember his name vaguely, the rabbit. Tell me about him a little bit. Oh, my goodness. Gary Rabbit Goodman. Uh, there's just no one like him. He's also very accomplished. He's retired. I think he has a, a degree in uh, computer science. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that he is. All these men are very, very uh, uh, accomplished guys. And uh, Gary, uh, the reason why I have to mention his name is uh, I love the way he fought. I love the way he fought because he fought like me, and uh, and uh, he's just—he's a handful, and he's—he's he's wonderful, and I'm glad. Well, he says like he needs to come to your your event in October 6th, for the museum is going to be honoring you and remembering your history and your legacy, what you've done. Now, 
Let's talk about something. Let's talk about the BKF for a minute. When was it formed? What was the vision of it when it was formed? Well, it was probably, and I could be wrong, uh, it was maybe 69 or 66. Casey, when exactly was it? Because I know you have uh, all the incidentals. Yeah, it was actually 1968, and we were brick and mortar in 69. I see, I see. Well, let me ask you a question, Casey. Tell me about Jerry Smith. Wow, there's so much to tell about Jerry. Jerry is uh, a genuine guy. He's uh, Mr. Smooth. Um, Jerry is, is truly a coagulant as far as uh, gathering fighting skills together or individuals that are fighters and, and making them into to champions. And, and in fact, out of the, uh, the institute that he formed back at the West L.A. Uh, Institute, he created several different full-contact champions that came out of that particular school. Uh, Jerry's a tough dude, but but very loving, and uh, you know he really knows his stuff. He's he has the science, and he and he you know he, he practices what he preaches. Super, super. Well, look, you know we got the fundamentals down about you guys. Let's go back to Uncle Jerry. The question I have: the BKF when it was founded, what was the vision of it, Uncle Jerry? What'd you well, want that, you know there 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 is so much misinformation about the BKF that has been put out. I've seen uh, YouTube videos with just pure lies that, that, are, that are not true. There were three founders of the BKF, and that was Cliff Stewart, uh, Ron Chappelle, and myself. And uh, I was still in the Marine Corps at the time and uh, stationed in Long Beach. And um, uh, and, and and met up with these guys, with Run and Cliff. They were roommates, uh, you know, at, uh, and lived in an apartment off campus. And um, we would go to the park and work out. Now, you have to understand that all three of us came from uh, different styles, actually. I think Run was Kung Fu under Aquan. Cliff studied under Nakamura. And uh, I uh, had studied on Venetiama and on the Junkina on Okinawa. And um, so what would happen is we would go to, we would go to karate tournaments. We'd take up, because we all had students, even back before we had school. And so we'd work out in the park. So what happened was uh, the idea was proposed that in those days, if you uh, uh, went into a karate tournament, we would, uh, our guys would fight each other. So we would delete, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm saying delete. We would uh, disqualify a lot of our students by them fighting each other. So therefore, you know, uh, we needed to come, but if you were from the same school, if you had a patch, you had a gi, and you were from the same school, you wouldn't have to fight your own students until the finals, if you because you have the preliminaries and then you have uh, after preliminaries. So uh, by forming a school, uh, it gave our students more chance to more chances to win instead of you know disqualifying each other. Yeah. And I've heard I've heard stories of uh, 
of uh, Steve Saunders and Joe Lewis fighting for a car and ten thousand dollars. Yes, I remember reading that. about that in the magazine, Uncle Jerry. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. Well, 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 well. I've seen on the internet where people says that uh, Steve fought uh, Joe and was cheated, and uh, and that is why we formed the Big Camp. That's totally untrue. Actually, both of them fought for a car. Uh, Steve won, and uh, and no one got a car. The the the, the promoter ran away with the right. car and yeah, the money. So, yeah. so neither one, neither one of them got any got got anything. So uh, well, I just want to clear that up. I I have a question, an overall question for the group, for Casey, yeah. the Rabbit, and Sam, and you. Mm-hmm. Okay, we were talking, I think, a couple months ago, and I told you about a book that is quoting someone else started the be care. And how do you feel about that, guys, that someone is trying to take the glory away from <laughs> Jerry Smith, Ron Chappelle, and Cliff Stewart? Well, how do you guys Casey, Casey, I know that you know the gentleman that wrote that book. I can't remember his name. And uh, Garth uh, I think you could. Garth Yeah, but, but Casey, you can speak to that if you would. Yeah, um, the, the person I remember writing the book was uh, Nigel, um, ben. Nigel, Nigel Ben. Nigel Ben, that's correct. Yeah, and, and Nigel, what he did was uh, he just interviewed two individuals, and that was both, and that's Donnie and and uh, Steve, because that's all they knew is BKF, just like Jerry's talking about right now. Not everybody understands the dynamics and the structure of the BKF. So two individuals came forward that uh, gave him an interview, and, and yeah, a book was uh, written after that. Well, here's something interesting, Casey. There's a man named Dexter Kennedy. He's an author, and he uh, he went, remember Mike Jennifer, the great Mike Jennifer, middleweight fighter. That's where Dexter came from, from the Colombian guy, and uh, he wrote a book. And he got information from that bin, and he didn't research it. And he put in there that Donnie and Steve were the founders. And, you know, he's coming in October to meet the real founder, Jerry Smith. (laughs) Well, 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 I, I, I have something that I have something that I have a little proof here tonight, a little proof. And I'm going to have, you know, Sam Pace. Was uh, was one of Donnie Williams' Donnie Williams' students when Sammy Pace came to the VKF. Sammy, would you talk about that? Yeah, um, I came to the VKF at the same time Donnie did, and the um, it was already started when we came when we joined, and actually. Um, before the BKF started, um, a lot of people were still wearing tempo patches, Shotokan patches, and when the organization—I came at the beginning when the organization first formed, when we were working out in the park. 
Wow. People, people only know of Donnie and Steve because of of the book, and they were more in the public eye. Right. And so over the years, you know, things got watered down, and people tend to talk about what they see and they they don't know. And they and ninety, I guarantee you, ninety percent of the public doesn't know the history. Unless and even uh, some of our newer members, they don't know the history. You, you would well, have Sam, to be that's there. That's why we have a show like we're having tonight. Exactly to kind of share that history a little bit. Now you were one of the best fighters that we had in the country back in the seventies, and I remember a story. That Uncle Jerry told me about a cup you had with a friend of mine named Monster Man Everett Eddie. I want you to share that story. I don't care who does it, whether it be Jerry or you, but share that story to my listeners. Now, these are between two incredible fighters. Monster Man Everett Eddie was my friend from Detroit. He's passed now. But Sam fought him. And tell him about that story, guys. It's a great story. Um, I would have to I would have to start from the beginning. Um, this was sometime in the seventy. I forget the exact year. Um, I had just started training with Jerry in full contact, and what happened was I wrecked my roommate's car, and it was a leased car that we had to get fixed before his parents found out. His parents leased the car for him. And we had to, I, I wasn't supposed to be driving it and he let me drive it. I wrecked the car and we had to repair it. And I, if I remember right, it was $1,500 to get it repaired. And that was like a million dollars to me. So I didn't have the money and I, trying to figure out a way to pay for it. And Tommy Lee, I think he was a surfer from Hawaii, and he was having a full contact tournament. You're right. You're absolutely right. Tommy was a surfer. You're right. Yeah. And I devised a way. I said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to fight in this tournament and make the money. And and um, repair the car. So I went down and I crashed the weigh-in. And I was a middleweight. I, I wasn't a heavyweight. Uh, I think I weighed 168 pounds and soaking wet. So I I went down and. Benny Kikitas and all the top fighters in California were in the weigh-in. And they said, well, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, well, I came to fight. And, well, all the divisions are filled up. And um, the only, divi- only division open is heavyweight. And we have this guy here that he's thinking about fighting. I took a look at the guy, and I could tell he was terrified and um, because he knew he had to fight Monster Man. So, and, and, I, and, 
and we were always trained we could beat anybody, you know. And I said, well, I'll fight him. And they said, okay, well, you're not a heavyweight. And I, they, they said, stand on the scale. And I stood on the scale, 168 pounds. They started laughing and said, you're not heavy enough. So he yeah, Mazda probably, probably was two. 280, 260, between that level yeah. probably. And so I told them, if I come back tomorrow and I weigh enough, can I fight? And they kind of laughed it off and said, oh, yeah, why don't you do that? And so I went home. I ate a bunch of crap, took weight on tablets and, and nothing. Woke up that the next funny. day. <laughs> I gained two pounds. <laughs> so I said, well, I got I to gotta figure out something. And then um, so I took my cup and I took the cup out and I put two ankle weights inside. Safety, put it on, safety pinned it up, put my clothes on, went down to the weigh-in, stood on the scale. I weighed 178 pounds. Wow. They, they were amazed. They they couldn't figure out how I gained so much weight overnight. But they said, well, this Pam would be a better fight than this guy. And um, so the fight was the following day. And I, I managed to make myself sick, you know, from eating all the garbage. And, um, so the next day, I um, time for the fight. We get to the arena. They weigh me again. I weigh 158 pounds. So everybody's, oh, wow. in, everybody's in a panic because they said, we can't let him fight because he doesn't weigh enough. And I said, if they weigh 180, nobody will know. They're, they're not going to weigh me. And they said, okay. <laughs> so that's how the fight started. First, first two rounds. Gary, I have something to tell you. To add, I have something to add to this. That 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 Sam. uh, What happened was, Sam fought, and he, you know, put up the good fight, but he was totally, you know, outweighed by the guy he was fighting, and uh, and Sam got knocked out, and. we're down in the bowels of the sports arena, wherever we were. And uh, uh, I'm sending the next fighter up. And Sam's over working out. He's, like, moving around, working out, you know, punching and kicking. And and, uh, and he came up to me, and he says, Jerry. I go, yeah. He goes, uh, when do I fight? And I look at him, <laughs> and I go, Sam. I go, Sam. He goes, yeah. I go, you fought. He goes, you, I fought. I go, yeah. I go, go look in the mirror. He goes and looks in the mirror. His nose is bleeding. He's got his eyes swollen up. And he goes, Jerry, I fought. And it was one of the most touching things because he really didn't realize, he just really didn't even remember fighting. And um, uh, and, and anyway, so cool. I just will never forget that story. I love that story. I'm so glad you guys told it and so my listeners could listen to it from the real deal. Well, listen, I want to tell you guys something. I'm proud I get the honor of the BKF in October, and I'm proud 
I get to honor the great Jerry Smith, and I'm proud that Casey and Sam are, are going to be there. And uh, you know what, guys? Don't go nowhere, because I'm going to do a couple of segments. You'll enjoy. And I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to ask we're going to play the Legends Name Game. And I'm going to hit you with some names, and you get to talk about them. So don't go nowhere, guys, okay? I'll be right back. Is that okay? Yep, that's great. Okay, super. With that said, I'm going to get the talking set back over to Wolverine. Wolverine? Yes, sir. And, Professor, it's been an awesome first part of the show. A lot of awesome knowledge and information there. It's a, it's great to hear, uh, you know, Mr. Smith's story and, and get to hear all that. So, um, yeah, so now it's time for the voices so you can bring on your first voice and, and start asking questions. You bet. Well, you know, thank you, Wolverine. I had a vision a few years ago about putting America on the radio. And the Wolverine Nation is allowed that with the voices. The voices are made up of five incredible martial artists that have been a part of the Sport Colossi Museum for years. And I'd like to introduce to you them one at a time. Because we talk about topics that need to be talked about, should be talked about, and maybe sometimes People don't want to hear about them, but they should. With that said, the very first, the lady of the group, she is a PKL champion. She's a three black belt underneath the Sport Costume Museum. She'll be there in October with a booth and also a seminar where she'll be teaching advanced and beginner technique in Tai Chi. With that said, I call her Auntie. Auntie Karen Slasher. Karen, you there? I am, Uncle Gary. I am here. Well, what a great show we're having tonight. Oh, man, these are the best. Well, tonight is an interesting topic, Auntie. Here we go. Sport karate organizations and associations in America, past and present. You belong to one? Did you belong to one, and why? And why did you join? Some of them, K.A., Sika, P.K.L., Crane, NBL, NAFCA, A.O.K., A.K.B.B.A., the California League, B.K.F., SOC, T.K.O., T.N.T., J.K.A., I.T.F., W.T.F., Promac. Just to name a few. Holy mackerel. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Yes, I belong uh, to the PKL, uh, and it was the AKL and the PKL together in the amateur. Under, under rank was the AKL, and the PKL was the professional black belt because I had a school, and I had fighters who wanted to fight. My Our teacher, our sensei, was a um, international champion in the late 70s. And uh, he, so he was part of whatever that, I, was it SKI that was the uh, group that ran the, the international fights at, at all the casinos and then 
they would fight in Canada and England and places like that. Um, uh, like I said, I got dizzy saying all those names. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> but people that you know fought in that also. And he did very yeah. well. And so he was he was a fighter, and his, his uh, school, we had to fight. We had full contact kickboxing. There was no, no sparring. And he had a group of maybe five or six young teenage boys that wanted to fight. And then we had several kata people. So I figured if they were going to do tournament, we might as well become members and do rated tournaments. And then we could give tournaments. And we would give uh, triple B or A rated tournaments uh, throughout the years. So, yeah, I, I worked with that, that organization a lot. Then the NBL was coming in as we were kind of stopping doing that. And um, so I never got a chance to, to work with the NBL. I would have liked to, but well, I, I never really got NBL a chance. for 13 years as the master of ceremonies for boys. And then I was probably in the back there in 1993. I won the world breaking title. And so I was an NBL fan. I really enjoyed it. But you know what, Karen? Yeah. You were part of the East Coast PKL. That was uh, what was that company guy guy's name that did it? He had blonde hair. What what was his name? Glenn. Uh, God, what was it? Uh, Glenn Hart and Nick Seria. Glenn Hart. That's right. Glenn Hart. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And you were up there with Crane also, the Crane guy. Yeah, Crane. Crane was a little bit above, you know, north of us. They didn't really come down into our area too much. Uh, NASCA did. Uh, they were starting to to uh, do tournaments, but when we were doing it, we were focusing on PKL because we also gave tournaments, so we supported those people in that, and it was nice. You know, well, my you know, my kids had know, friends from all over the it's, world. Uh, interesting, NBL rest in peace, and NASCA is still around, but for the past twenty years, NASCA NBL dominated the point karate scene. There were mm-hmm. courses of the groups from the JK and the Korean tournaments, but the NASCA and the NBL, as far as open events and what open competitors compete, I don't know if any of them did as big as they did. So uh, thank you, Karen, and thank you thank for you. being part of the boys. You bet. You have it a is good my honor and okay. pleasure. You bet. Okay. Now, you know, he was a special guest tonight. He still is a special guest. He's a part of the voices. And I want to introduce him right now. He is he is my hero. He's an American hero. He is an American hero because he's a Marine. He's also the co-founder of the BKF, as you learned earlier tonight, and the president of the BKF. But he was a great fighter. He was a great fighter in this nation. And he also worked at Bravo Magazine when the likes of Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, and Joe Lewis walked the hall. And speaking of Joe Lewis, he was a protege of the great Joe Lewis, one of the greatest fighters that we ever had in America. He also trained Okinawa. But what was really cool to me personally, in Las Vegas a few years ago, and my dear friend, tribute Mr. John Natividad, this great man gave me Joe Lewis's black belt that Joe Lewis gave to him. What an honor. And I want to bring him on right now. 
Mr. Jerry Smith. Jerry, Uncle Jerry, you there, sir? Yes, sir, sir, Lamb. Well, I pretty much know the answer to the question, but out of respect, I have to ask you, Jerry. Here you go. Sport Karate mm-hmm. Association and organization in America, past and present, did you belong to one? Of course you did, the BKF. Do you belong to one? Of course you did, the BKF. Why did you join? <laughs> Heck, you invented it. <laughs> you got anything to add? Uh, did you join the USK? Yeah, well, yeah. It, well, well uh, let me say, and I just want to add this to what I said about uh, the, the amazing Sam Pace. You know, because I I shared something that was was very personal, and uh, I just have to let everybody know that this man went on to become one of the uh, great full contact fighters, Uh, and uh, I just uh, don't want to know that he had that loss to Monsterman. Sammy Pace is an amazing fighter, and and as far as organizations. I was also a part of uh, Heidi Takanishiyama, the All-American Karate Federation, and uh, which was uh, a lot of uh, Ray Delkey, uh, I think. I'm not sure whether Ron Marchini was on. He wasn't. He was with Mr. Oshima, I think, or some others. But anyway. Uh, I, I know of, all, uh, of, of course, and I was also a part of the Tracy organization as well, and so was the, the great Casey Jones. So, uh, well, didn't they give yeah, you a I, school? I, didn't they give you a school yes. back in the seventies? Yes, they did on the on Arlington, <laughs> Virginia. So, I actually got a chance to fight on both coasts, on the East Coast and the West Coast. And uh, of course, my heart was always on the West Coast. I but, hear that. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you, and uh, you know, thank you for being a part of the voices. And I appreciate your wisdom every week on this show. God bless you. Now, moving right along, before we go to our commercial break, I want to bring up some of the a web designer, and because of him, last month we got over six thousand hits at our webpage. And if you want to check it out, go to www.sportkarate.museumarchive.com. And you can see all the incredible people that this man has put together on this incredible webpage of knowledge. And I'll remind everybody, check out the treasure page. So I'll let him talk about it. I want to bring him on for my friend from Oregon, one of the incredible guys of karate from the past and the present because he teaches. He's a professor. Professor Tom Feldman. I call him brother. Brother, are you there? I am, brother. Hey, how you doing tonight, brother? Uh- <laughs> I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? Well, it's, it's a great I'm show, okay, great but, show. Well, thank you. I want to ask you, sir, because I know that you can handle a lot of the traditional parts, but here we go. 
Sport Club Day Association and organizations in America, past and present. Did you belong to one? Did you belong to one now? Why did you join? Just think of some of them. The USKA, SICA, PKL, Cray, NBL, NASCA, AOK, AKBBA, the California League, the BKF, SOC, the JKA, the ITF, the WTF, PKO, TNT, PROMAC, just to name a few. How do you feel about it, Tom? Well, first of all, I think I need to make a distinction. Perhaps a key word to add to the idea of a sports karate organization that you're trying to, to lean towards might be the word sanctioning. Uh, because of the idea that sport karate sanctioning body, which is really uh, something different than just a mere organizational structure that happens to compete. Uh, this would include things like recording the members' competitor, competitors' wins and accumulated ranking within the body of the members as a whole. This might also culminate in a yearly organizational championship based on points and standings within the membership. So I venture to say that the majority of the groups that you mentioned or of that ilk. Now, the exceptions of the group that you mentioned might be, first of all, the USKA. Now, the USKA has got two identities. The original USKA is the Karate Association founded by Robert Trius in 1948. And his purpose was to promote karate and other various karateka to share and to learn from each other. Eventually, the diversity of his membership led to style divisions, which also led to opportunities for promotion, which especially helped those black belts who uh, lacked connections with their original instructors and organizations. And then tournaments uh, did follow that they had, but they were not limited in the early years to members only. They were open membership, but based on a lot of participation from the different groups that were associated to the USKA. And then when Trias died in 89, uh, the USKA uh, Shurite was given to his daughter, and she later dissolved the original organization in 1999. And then the alliance came along uh, using the same moniker, but a different organization, and they were much more active in, in tournaments and things like that. That was Dr. The other, that was Dr. Jordan and Jim Hawk. Yeah. Right. And then the other group, of course, is the BKF. Now, uh, Sensei uh, really handled, and, and the guys really handled a really great uh, explanation of the uh, the BKF. But one of the things I'd, I'd want to add to that, rather than talking about what I wrote, because it's very, very similar to what was already reported, was the fact that back in the 60s, uh, you know, it was a lot of guys coming back from overseas. They were independent. They left their instructors behind in Okinawa and Japan and other places. And they got here, and they didn't have a governing body or an opportunity and many very few of them got a chance to go back to their original teachers to continue on their education and earn promotions and so organizing uh groups together of like-minded individuals helped to give them you know access to information and to be able to perpetuate what they were learning and the bkf really kind of uh brought that to full tuition when they created the bkf because of the fact that they recognized the need for unification and how important it was to be able to get a fair shake in the tournaments 
because they were they like many others are being eliminated because that that's the way it worked and it really really made a difference and i think a lot of other organizations whether they really realize it or not owe it to the bkf to because of what they did to lead the way in that understanding about unification and group uh, you know changing the way of uh, uh, things were at that particular point going into the 70s with the independents becoming connected. Um, right. As far as membership goes, in my personal situation, um, uh, to my personal membership to a sports karate organization of the sanctioning nature, I didn't really join any of these above groups. I participated in open competitions such as the Internationals in Long Beach, the Four Seasons, the Pan Ams. Mostly I preferred competing in more traditional karate tournaments such as Mr. Oshima's uh, annual Nisei Week uh, uh, gathering, which is still going on after all these years, and Mr. Demura's tournament in Orange County. Initially, um, they drew only uh, those of us participating in traditional karate uh, from the Japanese and Okinawan groups, and their tournament had a really narrow interpretation of strikes, targets, and focused delivery. An interesting mixture of courtesy and, and fierceness, basically, as well as bare-fisted combat uh, well into the 1980s. I was a member of Mr. Oshima's Southern California Karate Association uh, originally in its inception and then later when it became the SKA or the Shotokan Karate of America as it's known today. And the tournaments later um, became only invitational within Mr. Oshima's stuff. So I discontinued competing after I captained the Long Beach Dojo team uh, in 1985 at the, the SKA Team Championships. By and large, I quit open competition in the late 70s due to being constantly disqualified for headshots and head contact. Well, I, I, I kind of have to pass that on to some of my teachers, especially a particular teacher that's on this show, when he taught me Joe Lewis theory and concept of the forward hand. And being a tall guy, I was naturally, as Joe Lewis always said, the tall guys are naturally headhunters, and I was no exception. Um, instead of tournaments, I substituted 10 years in my during that time after uh, left tournament uh, in what's called Musha Shugyom. And it's a, it's a Japanese term for the training by questing and, and pilgrimage. My main teachers had moved on for, uh, to new portions of their lives, and I chose rather than to find a new instructor in teaching and start over or commit to someone else, I traveled down school to school, sparring with various school, uh, guys that I knew and people that I respected. I sought knowledge from and experience from my seniors, and I went down the path of one of my senseis uh, had traveled, seeking what drew him, and eventually, hopefully, discovering why he left to continue his journey from place to place and and concept to concept. This couple well, was deep driving. So cool, it oh, really okay. does. It sounds like you're going down the path of Musha. God bless you, good guy. And you know what? Every week, your knowledge and your wisdom just fascinates me. I'm sure it fascinates our listeners. And God bless you. And uh, I mean, I'm just overwhelmed, man. I give so much to this show. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to move. You're welcome, Jerry. Before I get my last two minutes, don't go work, Tom, because I think we're going to talk to you and let you talk about the webpage a little bit. Wolverine, he is the toxic guy. 
Thank you, sir. Um, yes, and we're bringing Mr. Spellman right back on to talk about how you can utilize the Sport Karate webpage and all the things that it has, as well as any of the other guests you want to talk about, Set VR or whoever else you want to bring on during your commercial break, Professor. So at this time, we'll bring Mr. Spellman back much. on I, to I give everybody a rundown of the uh, yeah everybody history out page. there in uh, in our uh, so Mr. Spellman, talking uh, stick is yours. Museum broadcast. Uh, first of all, uh, remember that. A lot of things that we're talking about during the broadcast, uh, as far as resources and everything else, can be found on www.sportkaratemuseumarchives.com, our website. Uh, it's jam-packed with all kinds of historical information and many other things. Tonight we'll talk about, uh, during the show, we'll be talking about Set VR, and there is a page dedicated to Set VR and Dr. Reggie Lee and uh, has a button so you can click it and get to the web page itself and be marveled at what there is to show and uh, actually sign up to actually participate and so on and so forth. So it's going to be great. Um, we also have a coming events page where we have uh, updates and information about upcoming events. Uh, right now we're, we're still working with the uh, U.S. Action Martial Arts Film Festival on October 19th through the 22nd uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. We'll talk about that later on uh, on the show. And, of course, uh, Professor Gary Lee has talked about the treasures, which we keep adding pictures and information about incredible historical events and, and uh, things that have been given to uh, Professor Gary Lee and the museum um, and bequeathed uh, treasures beyond uh, worth and imagination to inspire us and to educate us on the history of American karate and all the things that go with it. We also have historical information on the different houses, Japan, Okinawa, Korea, China, uh, and American uh, karate and kickboxing coming up on the future. So keep an eye out for that. And we have, you know, so many other things. And we're we're putting together a legends page that is going to be able to be available to those that go to the events in October so they can just use a QR code and they can just click their phone on it and they can have access to a complete agenda of the entire weekend and information including background information about Spence uh, um, uh, Anna Spellman's uh, hula that she'll be doing and its history and understanding, so much stuff. So. Keep on, you know, keep that in your uh, in your purview. Please visit it. Please support it. And with that, I hand back the stick to you, sir, and uh, carry on with the show. I'm loving it. Thank you, thank you, Tom. Well, we got to mention we got to mention all these days. tribute to Jerry Smith, founder of the BKF, and the tribute to the ladies and the hula dance we're doing with the beautiful Hannah Spellman. And some very, very big surprises for the ladies. The woman of the hour is Miss Karen Eva Herman. But the cream, the cherry on top of the whole event, Mr. Mike Stone has never been promoted in 60 years. He chose our event to come in and receive his 10 black belt from people like Mr. Alan Steen. He called me yesterday. He wants to give it to him personally because they had a couple of wars back in the day. The Al Tracy organization, 
headed by Mr. Ted Summer. The BKF guy, Gary Smith, wants to recognize Mike, too. Kali Buff, Mr. Jim Duke, and Mr. J. Pat Rollison's group, which is Chuck Norris and Ed Parker and Joe Lewis and Steve Armstrong, Bill Walsh, and all those guys. And then the History General and then the Texas guy. So Mike is going to be able to walk out of that event October 6th at the beautiful West Chase Hotel in Houston, Texas, with six 10-degree Bible certificates because the museum cares about history. Now, before I bring on my last two voices, I want to share two important facts. One fact, we'll be honoring the U.S. Film Festival in Crosso, Arizona, October 19th through the 22nd. Two of my friends are going to be there. Don Drag Wilson, Cynthia Rothrock, Chichu Wing, Ron Hall, Rick Avery, Ryan Van Cliff, Billy Blank, Eric Lee, just to name a few. But we also are going to have something very special. For every four-day pass that mentions the Sport Card Museum, WKM, that amazing festival is going to make $50 to the Sport Card Museum. So support the U.S. Film Festival, ladies and gentlemen, is Costello, Arizona, October the 19th to the 22nd. And you can check it out by going to the Sport Card Museum Archives webpage. Now, the other group we've been supporting for almost three years now, ever since Sam Stafford was closed, they do shows at our event. They bring in their headsets of the Oscars Quest, and they introduce virtual reality. And they've invented a hologram that will kick your butt. But most importantly, they've been created, been created the History Journal Portal. They've allowed the History Journals, all the guys we're talking about, their profiles will be laid on this incredible website. And you can check it out by going to Google, S-E-T-V-R.app. I've got it better than that. I've got one of the inventors on the show tonight. He's a real medical doctor. He saved lives, ladies and gentlemen. That's his job. But he's a nicely black belt. Underneath the Sport Country Museum and under the great Rick Wigginton. Rest in peace, Rick. But he's on the air with me. Reggie, are you there? Yes, I am. Good evening, sir. Amazing show you have tonight. Thank you, Reggie. Well, you're part of it, big guy. Explain to people exactly what we've done with virtual reality and creating this hologram. Go ahead. Sir. Sure thing. Imagine. You wanting to continue to practice your skills in self-defense anytime, anywhere, when you want, and even when you travel. Take the Oculus headset, take it to your cell phone, go to the Oculus App Lab store, and retrieve the set VR application, place it in your headset, place it in your travel bag, take it where you travel, and you can do just as that with the set VR application. You can see a short demo demonstration of the set VR program from Professor Garley's Sports Karate Museum platform, 
or on the United States Hall of Fame website with Dr. John Terry. With the set VR, you will not be outside looking into our program with set VR self-defense enhancement training the virtual reality. You'll be immersed, actually immersed 360 degrees in a program, a simulation program whereby a hologram will suddenly attack you when infected with sudden and random attacks. Just like the military has their simulation programs, the police department has their simulation programs, this is a simulation program for martial arts to practice your skills in self-defense. We've chosen a dark alleyway where bad things usually happen. The hologram will suddenly appear and get into your personal space prior to the attack to create an adrenaline effect. During this adrenaline surge, the fight or flight mode is whereby one would normally have a momentary pause using 35, 40, 50% of what they've been taught and whereby utilizing muscle memory or reflex response would be your only and best recourse to engage and neutralize the attack. Metaphor, just like placing your hand on a hot stove, you move it by reflex. This is the program that we would like to instill into you to develop a program of a reflex response. If I and SetVR can instill into you a response to neutralize without hesitation a threat to save your life during an adrenaline surge, we believe SetVR has done its job. This program is a program whereby you can continue to practice the art of movement, to move angular, singular, singular and um, linear, to practice uh, the art of movement. Uh, for example, for a hologram, um, if attack is coming toward you um, or a train or a car will be coming to you, um, the best thing is to move out of the way, to practice the art of Kai Sabaki. This will help, help you to continue to practice evasion, to place you in a position of neutralization or to, that, to practice that by way of reflex. With the Oculus Quest or Oculus Rift headset, you'll be transported into a virtual reality program where a hologram will confront and attack you when you least expect it. The, the program is to have you to be able to neutralize a attack that is sudden and unpredictable, to place you to improve your skills in invasion through angular, linear, and circular movements, and to place you in your opposite position for neutralization as you practice and improve your skills in timing, speed, accuracy, and develop muscle memory, and my goal to have you develop the reflex response to neutralize without hesitation. This is a platform where you continue to practice what you've been taught in cognitive forms on a program of application against a random attack to practice anytime, anywhere, when you want. We've implemented a program of mindfulness, of stretching, meditation exercises, and we also present you with your own personal yoga instructor. Visit our website at setvr.app, that's S-E-T-V-R.app, we continue to be proud to endorse Professor Gary Lee and the Sports Quality Museum to be the future platform of Professor Gary Lee's vision of the Sports Quality Museum and virtuality with SetVR, whereby SetVR has introduced Professor Gary Lee as the Wisdom Warrior at the entrance in the history portal. But before meeting the Wisdom Warrior, one must neutralize a hologram attacker at the gate of the history portal and then be brought into the courtyard by Professor Gary Lee to be introduced by the sports um, to the um, uh, uh, core history generals. With that being said, Professor Gary Lee, some few words about your vision of this um, karate museum and virtuality with set VR. Well, my vision is very simple, Randy. My vision is education, to be able to teach people how sport karate was invented in America. Now, I'm excited about you and the other inventor, Rich Shanahan. You're going to, you actually, you're writing a for October 
So anybody that wants to go up and actually put on the headset, and I'll tell you how to boot. So they go downstairs and actually do a boot, do the headset. And I'm excited about you guys coming in October. And I give John the great Marie Shanahan. And we're just excited about we're involved with that VR app. But, you know, we created a core group. You allowed us to put four individuals to help change for karate in America and not any particular order. Judge Roy Kerman, the man that brought the two-point kick to the world. George Minshew, the first man to put on a six, well, there was a big six tournament in the early 60s. That means the karate Olympics. He was the first man to could wear a gold ring competition. Chris Minshew, an NBL world champion, and Mr. Mike Dillon, the owner of Black Belt Magazine and Century Martial Arts Supply, the inventor of the Super Show in Las Vegas, and the NKC tournament circuit. With this four core group, they'll start with a profile, and then every month add a new history general. Many of the people you're hearing tonight their profiles will be there. So, Reggie, thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of this vision. And we'll see you in October. God bless you, big guy. Now, thank you. it's a pleasure to bring on the last two members of the Voices. And this first man, he's a visionary. He's a writer. He wrote the great layout for Judge Roy Kirby's tribute. He is also an advisor in the Okinawa and the House of Korea page. I want to bring him on right now. We call him Uncle Jim in my house. But it's James E. Moore. Uncle Jim? I am here, Uncle Gary. Thank you for that introduction. Appreciate that. You bet. Well, you know, the question or the topic is very simple. You know, call it Bob. So many different organizations, past and present. Did you belong to one? You belong to one now. And why did you join if you did join an organization? And I can name them again, but I got dizzy while I was playing them all. But go ahead and question them. Okay, thank you. Yeah, first of all, uh, what a great show this evening, uh, especially having the BKF guys on. And and um, I guess I've been a member of the BKF for about 28 years now uh, when I started training with, with Robert Temple in Santa Monica. But uh, uh, you have Jerry on, KC, Sammy Rabbit. I mean, these are the, these are the core people of the BKF. And uh, I know whenever Jerry talks about them, he, he lit, literally raves about each one of them, not just as great fighters, but they all were and probably still are, but as human beings. And it's a real honor to be part of an organization with that kind of quality of people. And and I look up to every, every one of them. So uh, uh, great show tonight. Uh, organizations, uh, several. Um, Jeff, uh, uh, Shinshu Khan out of, out of Brazil. Uh, about 53 years have been a part of that organization. Um, they just had their 60th anniversary uh, uh, celebration last year. Um, 
they're all over the world. They're, uh, God, 25 years ago, I think they had 150 schools in Brazil, another 100 in Argentina, but they're all over the world. And, and uh, I'm proud to say I'm still their United States representative. So um hope to get down there sometime this year to train with them. Kunju Musul Federation, I've been part of that about 35 years. That's Sun Taeyong, Grandmaster Sun Taeyong, uh, his Korean organization. And uh, uh, they're global as well, not as many many schools, but they're they're also global. Um, I didn't really proactively join these organizations, but uh, they were just the organizations under which I train and, and who were willing to accept me. And uh, just to answer the question, you know, why... Uh, why belong to organizations? Uh, why did you join? Uh, uh, why why belong to one now? And uh, I think belonging to an organization, organizations, it really helps helps one achieve their their pursuits and goals in life. Uh, it's much quicker, I think, when you have a structure. Uh, it's also a place for support. Um, and that's important because sometimes, let's face it, sometimes life can be very interesting. And it's nice to have organizations that can really have your back. Uh, being parts of organization, it's just, it just feels good to be part of something positive. It gives you pride, respect, rewards, and just much greater meaning to your life. Um, I get a real high when I think about the organizations who have accepted me. And uh, they've done so much to enhance my life to levels that I could never really believe I could get there. And if there's one word, it's one word that I would pull out of all of this, it's camaraderie. The camaraderie you have in these kind of organizations, especially martial arts organizations, is really tremendous. It is just really fabulous. Yeah. I did uh, step away to the Internet a little bit. And I wanted to see what a medical perspective was on joining organizations and i found a quote from the, the famous mayo clinic and it said the social ties that accompany a sense of belonging are the protective factor helping manage stress and other behavioral issues when we feel we have support and alone we are more resilient often coping more effectively with difficult times in our lives and adding my own personal uh, more positive side of that is it's just great fun. It's so much fun to be a part of these organizations. I'm proud and blessed to be part of all of them. And with that, I'll pass back the talking stick. Well, thank you so much, Uncle Jim, Mr. Moore. That was very, very thoughtful for that quote. And ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> that makes up the voice. An incredible group of people that the Wolverine Nation has allowed to be put across the air every Thursday. And that said, I'm going to get the talking shit I know it's The Wolverine, where you at, buddy? I'm right here, Professor, right here as always. Um, I guess it's time for you to rustle up Cousin Eddie so we can... Uh... Well, you know, he went to Grand... Listen, listen to me, big guy. He went to the Grand Canyon... With that girl we met last week, <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna do the show tonight for him until he okay. gets back from the Grand Canyon. So, uh, Wolverine, tonight we got something very special to talk about that normally Brad because is very passionate about. I'll read it to you, buddy. If that he helps, here we go. What do you do? 
cheeseburgers and the Mamby Tamby wannabe and all those false impressions that people try to make by becoming supreme grandmasters to fake the public out. Does it matter to approach them, to confront them, to share with them that the image that they're acting as affects the public's image on truth karate though? Oh, well, I'll just speak first, and then I'll give you my Go ahead, Wolverine. Well, yeah, I most definitely think it does, you know, because, um, you know, that that does happen. And that's why a lot of people that have no, um, you know, respect for martial arts or they think it's funny or they think it's just a bunch of garbage because these guys, uh, you know, put out a lot of stuff. I just uh, tore into one just the other day that, you know, he's got like he's, uh, you know, soaky and he's got 10 you know, 10th uh, degree black belt, and I don't know how many different styles. Anyway, uh, he backpedaled pretty quick for somebody that was his mouthy. Um, but, you know, he uh, got all apologetic. But the the problem is, is that that's what happens. These guys are not real. They are just wannabes. And as long as people will drink their Kool-Aid and do whatever uh, they say, they, they try to hold themselves in such a high regard like their their rank or stuff entitles them to be better than anybody else or, or better than somebody else and you know that's absolutely not true so um yeah I don't I don't like those cheeseburgers at all and you know there's a lot of unfortunately there's a lot of them out there uh that we have to deal with and uh you know you see it all the time and they try to use that just to make you know gains and get popularity some of them use it to make money um you know to hold events and and different things and just so that they can try to get respect even though they've not done anything to really deserve it um you know that's the unfortunate part and a lot of people it pulls them in and it disheartens a lot of real martial artists as well um but it definitely has a bad effect on the public you know, Wolverine, I thought about this all day before the show tonight, and I thought about one incident that kind of talks about it. I was at a tournament years ago in Galveston, and I had a booth. And this guy came up to me, he had a red belt on and a bunch of stripes on it. But what bothered me was he had a patch on his heart, and it was upside down. And I'll tell you the reason why it upset me. Back in the 70s, I trained with the great man, Tadashi Nakamura, in Manhattan, in New York, in the Kiyoki Shed. And I earned a patch that was a Kiyoki Shed patch. And I never forgot. I earned it. I didn't buy it. I earned it. And this guy, he had the Kiyoki Shed patch upside down. And I asked him if he trained in Kyokushin. Now, I knew he didn't because he had a black E on, first of all. And Kyokushin guys never wore black. So anyway, he says, well, no. I said, well, why are you wearing the patch for? He says, I thought it was cool. I bought it out of a catalog. I said, well, first of all, it's upside down. And let me ask you a question. Do you train? What style do you train in? He says, I train in Taekwondo. 
I said, well, you got a Kilkish and Patch on. You got a red belt on, which is the highest level in Taekwondo, or I believe it's a red belt. They use that as far as a brown belt. And you got stripes on your belt. That's from Kempo. You're all messed up, aren't you? But he got really upset. And then I said, look, you just got packed off. If you, you know, first of all, you don't try to kill Kishan. And he got it upside down. I'm really offended. And he turned around, and it was on his front. And I, I'm not, I mean, I, I just wasn't the nicest guy back to the bull break. And I ripped the pack job. I threw him in the trash. And he came back 30 minutes later. I guess he went to a computer or something, and he Googled Gary Lee. He apologized. And I accepted it. But that's what I'm dealing with. That's what people deal with that deal with reality. Sometimes you, oh, come, yeah. across, uh, you come across the person that doesn't tolerate him back then. Like I said, I wasn't the nicest guy, and I didn't tolerate it. But it offended me deeply. That, I mean, I don't care about wearing pads, but he put it upside down. And he did just to right. get ego because it just looked good. And it made him look like he knew what could I say wasn't. But he was messed up. He was a, a grandmaster in Taekwondo wearing a red belt from Japanese karate, calling himself a haji. I mean, he was messed up in the head. But anyway, you know, with oh, that yeah. said, Wolverine, I don't give him the talking shit like the U.S. And we need to do the legend playing game with our guests. Go ahead, Rory. You got the stick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, Professor, at this time, go ahead and bring uh, the guests back on and do the legend's name game, and uh, that'll be a wrap. But, yeah, go right ahead. It's it, talking sticks back well, to you. What a great show. Uh, okay, it's Sam and Casey and Uncle Jerry and Rabbit still on the air, please. Hello? Well, Casey. I'm still Dan, here. Are you guys on the air? Jerry? Rabbit? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Who's I'm still here. Whoever. Whoever wants to, I'm going to say his name. And whoever wants to talk about him. Go ahead. Here we go. The first name. Ed Parker Sr. Rest in peace. Ed Parker. Uh, well... Uh, let, let me let me find out who's still. Uh, Casey, are you still here? I'm still here. Uh, Gary and uh, Sam dropped off. Okay. Okay. If you want to go ahead and talk about question about uh, Ed Parker. Ed Parker. Ed Parker. Um, my introduction to Ed Parker was many years ago. Um, very dynamic person, uh, powerful. Um, he uh, was full, full of philosophy. He always told a story and had a story to go with, with e anything and everything that, that occurred uh, in life um, during transport to and from. I, I've ridden in the car with him. This is my one story that I could tell that's funny. But I've ridden in the car with him before. He had this big uh, white Cadillac. And for those of you who know Ed Parker, he drives with one hand. So he drives with his left hand, and he puts his right hand over the back seat. So what Mr. Parker used to do was he'd always give you direct eye contact when he was in communication with you. 
And I was sitting in the back seat with one of my other uh, students, or, or excuse me, associates, and he asked him a question. And Mr. Parker turned all the way backwards while we're driving and answered his question. And I realized at that point that our lives were in jeopardy because, again, knowing Mr. Parker, Mr. Parker drives above the speed limit at all given time and with just that left hand. So that was that was my one uh, personal experience with him in, in his vehicle. But, yes, I love Mr. Parker. I'm, I'm glad that he came and, and shared the art. Okay, here we go. Joe Lewis. Go ahead, Uncle Jerry. Joe, oh, you got that one, Jerry? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Joe Lewis, Joe, wow, I was still thinking about Mr. Parker. Honestly, that was a great story. Uh, Joe was my mentor. He actually uh, showed me uh how to train for, for uh, like an athlete for martial arts and how to break martial arts down in a holistic way. It wasn't just one little thing here, one little thing there, how it all integrated together. And uh, he was a terrific and amazing, probably the, one of the best martial artists that uh, I ever had the pleasure of training with. Super. Well, I want to hear a couple of names because when I got guests like this on the show, I want to tell my listeners that these guys really know people. So here we go. I got one for the for the joy of my history. Here we go. Professor Tom Feldman. I will take that one. Uh, Tom Spellman. Uh Let me say one thing before I take the one with Tom. I want you guys to know, I, you know, I talked about Sam Pace. Sam Pace is also the vice president of the BKF. I just want that known. Um, Tom Spellman, I met when he was uh, 15 or 16 uh, years ago, before there was the BKF, before there was anything, really. So I've known the man for uh, for so many years. And... Um, he probably know more about my lineage than just about anyone that I know. And he is an amazing, amazing historian uh, about the, you know, martial arts and, uh, and a wonderful human being and a great father. Uh, we talk weekly and I happen to love him. That's what I have to say about Tom Spellman. Okay. Here's one. I got one more for you guys. Chuck Norris. I, I got a little bit with Chuck. No, five oh, go ahead. Chuck Norris. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, well, I'll take, we'll, we'll, let's both take that one. I'm, I, I, the way that I met Chuck is that I was, coming from uh, Long Beach, I was still in the Marine Corps, and there was a karate tournament at Trey Technical College. And both Chuck and I were late for the tournament. He was driving his car, and I just got off the bus running and in the parking lot. And we kind of, you know, caught each other's eyes. And uh, and I went, you're Chuck Norris. And he said, yeah. And we just started talking. We haven't made it inside yet. 
And uh, he said, and I said, he says, come here, I got something to show you. Like so he was in a convertible car. So I got in on the passenger side and he said, I got something to show you. We, we introduced each other to each other. And uh, he uh, took out uh, an electric shaver and plugged it into uh, his cigarette lighter and started to shave. Now you have to understand that <laughs> Back then, this was like, what? You see, you can shave in your car, and you have one of those big phones that you used to have in your car. And I just remembered that uh, meeting him, and uh, and we were pretty much, from that point on, we were friends until this day. Wow. Well, hey, see, you thank have- you guys for explaining the DKF tonight and the increasing of that organization. And I can't wait to see Casey and Sam and Jerry in October with Jerry's tribute and your booth will be displayed and you know we have to show off the BKF to Texas and I'm excited about that guys. So with that said, I like to get the talking text back over to the Wolverine. Wolverine, here we go, big guy. Okay, professor. Yeah, no. Okay, professor. Yeah, that that's good. But um, yeah. So I guess that'll that'll conclude our show. It we had an awful good show. I, I tell you what, it was full of full of information, full of knowledge as always. Um, so again, you outdid yourself, sir. So you can close out the show and and say goodbye. I'll say Donata, hey, Osta Shinoi, which is. Until we meet again, and good night in Cherokee, and then you finish it up, Professor, and uh, we'll see y'all next Thursday. Well, thank you, Wolverine. And, you know, I want to say personally thank you to the Wolverine and the incredible Justin who has put on the technical stuff of the show, the incredible voices, Karen Slasher, Professor Tom Spellman, David Chambers. Who? David? I did I forget about you, David. Are you there, big guy? David. Well, anyway, uh, golly, Bob, James D. Moore, and also the sponsor, the U.S. Film Festival, setvr.app and our special guest each week. And we say this every week when meeting from the heart. Much mahalo and aloha. Good night, everyone.